Hi everyone, welcome back to the OrthoBullets podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of osteoblastoma found under the pathology section at orthobullets.com. Let's begin with a quick summary. Osteoblastomas are benign, aggressive osteogenic bone lesions commonly found in the posterior elements of the spine. Patients typically present between ages 10 and 30 with regional pain with only partial response from NSAIDs. Diagnosis is made radiographically by a characteristic lesion that is greater than 2 cm in diameter with a sclerotic margin and a radiolucent nidus. Treatment is usually curettage or marginal excision with bone grafting. Now let's get into the episode. In terms of the epidemiology, this is a relatively rare lesion and it is less common than an osteoid osteoma. Demographically, it demonstrates a male-to-female ratio of about 2 to 1, and the majority of patients are between 10 and 30 years of age. In terms of the anatomic location, it is most commonly found in the posterior elements of the spine. In terms of the etiology, the genetic etiology is unfortunately unknown, but associated conditions include oncogenic osteomalacia and secondary aneurysmal bone cysts, which occur in 10 to 40% of cases. Moving on to the presentation. Symptoms will include pain, which is a slowly progressive, dull aching pain, and it demonstrates only a partial response to NSAIDs. One may also see neurologic symptoms with spine involvement. On exam, one may note swelling, muscle atrophy, and limping. In terms of imaging, recommended radiographs include an AP and lateral of the symptomatic area. Specific findings include lytic or mixed lytic blastic lesions with the radiolucinitis that is greater than 2 centimeters. There may be reactive sclerotic bone and 66% of lesions are cortically based, whereas 33% are medullary based. There's often an expansile lesion with extension into the soft tissues with the rim of reactive bone, and 25% appear very aggressive and are often mistaken for a malignant lesion. CT is indicated as a necessary imaging modality to fully evaluate the lesion, and a bone scan will demonstrate a hot lesion with intense focal uptake. In terms of the histology, this will be similar to osteoid osteoma, but with more giant cells. There is a distinct demarcation between the nidus and reactive bone, and the nidus is made of immature osteoid and osteoblasts with abundant cytoplasm and normal nuclei. There will be a fibrovascular stroma that merges with normal trabecula of bone, a rim of osteoblast that surrounds the osteoid, and numerous mitotic figures may be present, but they are not atypical. In terms of the differential, the radiographic differential for osteoblastomas includes osteosarcoma, aneurysmal bone cysts, osteomyelitis, and osteoidosteoma. The differential for lesions of the posterior spinal elements includes an aneurysmal bone cyst, osteoidosteoma, and osteoblastoma. Characteristics that are specific to osteoblastoma and help to differentiate it from osteoidosteoma include that it is a rare and locally aggressive but benign lesion and it is not self-limiting. Over 40% occur in the posterior elements of the spine or sacrum. It causes dull pain that is less likely to be relieved by NSAIDs. It is larger and more giant cells are present. Let's quickly review the differences between osteoid osteoma and osteoblastoma. Osteoid osteoma makes up about 10% of benign tumors. They are usually less than 1.5 centimeters large. More than 50% occur in long bone diaphysis. The location is typically in the proximal femur, followed by the tibial diaphysis, followed by the spine. They are self-limited. On histology, they demonstrate a benign appearance. There is no growth potential. There's a central nidus composed of more organized osteoid and they are lined by osteoblasts. Their symptoms include nocturnal pain, which is relieved by NSAIDs, and non-surgical management is indicated as first-line treatment. For osteoblastoma, these make up about 3% of benign tumors. They are typically greater than 2 centimeters 
with an average of 3.5 to 4.0 centimeters. More than 35% occur in the posterior elements of the spine. They are typically located in the vertebral column, followed by the proximal humerus, followed by the hip. Their natural history is that they are progressive lesions. On histology, they demonstrate a benign appearance, localized growth with aggressive potential, a central lesion that is less organized with greater vascularity. Their symptoms include a dull ache, which is less likely to be relieved by NSAIDs. More than 50% of spine tumors have neurologic symptoms, and surgery is always indicated as they do not respond to non-surgical treatment. In terms of treatment more specifically, non-operative options include observation. However, this is rarely indicated, if ever, as the lesion will continue to grow. Operative options include curettage or marginal excision with bone grafting. This is indicated as the standard of care. However, there is a recurrence rate of between 10 and 20%. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to osteoblastoma, let's do some flashcards to test your recall. What is the predominant gender and typical age of presentation? There is a male-to-female ratio of 2 to 1, and the majority of patients present between 10 and 30 years of age. What is the most common anatomic location? Lesions present most commonly in the posterior elements of the spine. What is an associated secondary lesion to look for and its prevalence? Secondary aneurysmal bone cysts occur in 10 to 40% of cases. What are the possible symptoms on presentation? Patients will typically experience a slowly progressive, dull, aching pain that is only partially responsive to NSAIDs, and one may see neurologic symptoms with spine involvement. What is the characteristic finding on radiographs? Findings include a lytic or mixed lytic blastic lesion with a radiolucentitis that is greater than 2 centimeters. Are they cold or hot on bone scans? Osteoblastomas are hot lesions with intense focal uptake. Name four differential diagnoses for the radiographic appearance. The radiographic differential for osteoblastoma includes osteosarcoma, aneurysmal bone cysts, osteomyelitis, and osteoid osteoma. What are five differences between osteoid osteomas and osteoblastomas? Characteristics specific to osteoblastoma are that they are rare and locally aggressive lesions but benign and are not self-limiting. Over 40% occur in the posterior elements of the spine or sacrum, they cause dull pain that is less likely to be relieved by NSAIDs. They are larger and have more giant cells. What are three common tumors in the posterior elements of the spine? The differential for lesions of the posterior spinal elements includes aneurysmal bone cysts, osteoid osteoma, and osteoblastoma. Is observation a recommended treatment option? Observation is rarely, if ever, indicated as the lesion will continue to grow. What is the standard of care treatment? The standard of care is curettage or marginal excision with bone grafting. Now let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 17-year-old boy has had elbow pain for the past six weeks. 
a radiograph demonstrates a bone-forming lesion of the distal humerus. The lesion has an osseous component extending out of the native cortex with a thin sclerotic border. A T2-weighted MRI scan shows that the lesion is extending anteriorly beyond the native cortex. No fluid fluid levels are seen. Histology demonstrates large osteoblasts producing osteoid and woven bone. The tissue between the spicules of bone and osteoid contains thin fibrous tissue and capillaries. What is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are... Choice 1. Osteoid osteoma. Choice 2. Osteoblastoma. Choice 3. Osteosarcoma. Choice 4. Chondroblastoma. Or choice 5. Giant cell tumor. The best answer to this question is... Choice 2. Osteoblastoma. The findings are consistent with an osteoblastoma. Osteoid osteoma is a smaller lesion, usually with sclerotic reactive bone around a small nidus. The histology differentiates osteoblastoma from osteosarcoma because no malignant cells are seen. There is no cartilage production or chondroblast in the histologic specimen, eliminating chondroblastoma. Giant cell tumors of bone typically occur in an epiphyseal metaphyseal location, most commonly after skeletal maturity, and contain numerous giant cells. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 23-year-old woman reports left-sided back pain that travels around the lateral aspect of the thigh and down the lateral aspect of the leg. The pain is partially relieved with anti-inflammatory medications. The pain is not associated with weight-bearing. A CT scan of the left femoral neck demonstrates a lytic lesion with the radiolucent nidus and reactive sclerotic bone. Histology demonstrates large osteoblasts producing osteoid and woven bone. What is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are... Choice 1. Osteosarcoma. Choice 2. Osteoblastoma. Choice 3. Giant cell tumor. Choice 4. Aneurysmal bone cyst. Or choice 5. Stress fracture. The best answer to this question is... Choice 2. Osteoblastoma. Osteoblastoma is a bone-forming lesion characterized by a mixed lytic blastic lesion of variable size greater than 2 centimeters. Histology demonstrates osteoid formation with benign rimming osteoblast in an intervening highly vascular stroma. Osteosarcoma can look similar radiographically, but histology typically demonstrates malignant spindle cells interspersed in osteoid. Giant cell tumor histology shows multiple and multinucleated giant cells in a background of stroma of stromal cells with similar nuclei. Aneurysmal bone cysts typically has lakes of blood surrounded by a thin benign fibrous membrane. Stress fracture does not typically have large lucent central lesions on radiographs. That's all for this review about osteoblastoma. We hope that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session from OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on orthobullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the OrthoBullets website or phone app, while reading through the topic. If the OrthoBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.